Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I knew it was getting bad. I remember going to the supermarket and saying, okay, I'm going to buy some cans of Lysol and I'm going to buy some wipes and I'm going to buy some extra gallons of water for the formula uh, for the baby. I kept making these little trips to the supermarket and they kept getting more and more stressful because I kept hearing the news about where this thing was going. And so my anxiety was definitely peaked. With my son's father, he works in New Jersey and is a homeowner in New Jersey. And so there were questions about, okay, if you're traveling, is that going to put us at risk? And with my mother, she is older. And so as much as I wanted her to stay with me, she and her husband decided to isolate together in their apartment. And I had already gotten a nanny a night nurse to help me, but she had children of her own. So once she saw that we were going into lockdown, she said, I'm sorry, I, you know, I'm not going to continue to work with you. So that was really when within a week, everything fell apart. I didn't have anyone with me. I couldn't really think of anything else other than just surviving at that moment. My name is Tanzita Vega, and I'm a journalist, and I'm now the host of The Takeaway, which is a daily news talk show on public radio. I have worked at the New York Times, CNN, and many other places. I'm a native New Yorker, I'm Puerto Rican, and I'm a new mom. A couple months after moving into a brand new apartment that I bought in New York, I found out that I was pregnant at the age of 44. And I hadn't really expected that to happen to me. I was a journalist who gave a lot of my life to this career. I took planes as often as I took subways, sometimes flew to places for a day or two and would come back. Like that was just my life. So I was excited, nervous, and just sort of like, oh my God, you know, is this actually happening to me? And sure enough, I can say this, for better or worse, you can never predict what's going to happen. And so, you know, the first couple of months, to be honest, it were awful. I was sick. It was summer. I felt the traditional morning sickness and just all of that. But by the second trimester, I started feeling so much better. Things were starting to look really good as far as how the pregnancy was moving along. And by the time I had my baby shower, which I never thought I would say those words, baby shower and me in the same sentence, you know, it was more anticipatory. My son was going to be born around the end of January, early February. So I was just excited to meet him and get to see what he looked like. I was looking forward to what maternity leave would be like. And they say to gather a lot of people and get your food situation settled and make sure people are going to be delivering you casseroles and taking care of you and in your postpartum phase. 
This was really a momentous occasion for me. Then at the end of January, I remember going to the hospital to deliver my son and noticing that there were already face masks in the hospital. You know, I knew coronavirus was a story. I'm a journalist, so I, I follow these things pretty closely. And I knew that it was something that had emerged at least from the reports that we were seeing in China. But at the time, it just didn't feel like something we were going to have to worry about. And if it was something we're going to have to worry about, then it would be relatively controlled. So January 30th, I delivered my son. The first few days were a blur. I remember walking into my apartment and I was carrying my son, who at the time weighed less than eight pounds. And it was raining. And by the time we got to my apartment, it was dark. And I remember putting a, a blanket over the little carrier that I had him in and just thinking, there's a human in there. My son is in there. And I'm bringing him into my home and, oh my gosh, I had things kind of set up. I had a, a little bassinet and I was very nervous. This delicate little boy was going to now be a permanent part of my life and, and in my home. And so I brought him up, put him in the bassinet and just looked at him and thought, life is now forever changed. The first 40 days after postpartum are often supposed to be a time when women are taken care of and allowed to rest and have friends and family around them who are, you know, doting on them as well as the baby. It's supposed to give you a chance to heal yourself. And for the first couple of weeks, my mother and my son's father were a big part of the support system that I had because I still wasn't having visitors come over. But really, I had no idea what was about to come. I mean, we all experienced this in New York, but I live in Queens, which was the epicenter of the virus. I live down the block from a nursing home facility. I live not very far from Elmhurst Hospital. And the, the, there was death all around and the numbers kept going up. Everybody was being told to shelter in place and not leave except for emergencies. We still didn't know how the virus was transmitted. Even leaving the home was beyond stressful. You start having conversations about what happens if I don't make it? What happens if I die or I get sick? What happens to my son? I just said, I can't believe I went from delivering a beautiful baby boy to a month and a half later thinking about writing a will. And at the same time, I'm blissfully in love with this beautiful baby boy that I have. So it was really tough to manage the emotional changes there, but I can tell you that every time I looked at him, it brings me this level of joy that I have never experienced in my life, frankly. But at the very early stages when people were talking about potting up, it became abundantly clear to me that that was not going to happen for my son and I. No one asked me to come and stay with them. I did not have many places I could go. 
no one offered a guest room or, or anything like that. And, you know, I mean, why would they, right? But it was the beginning of me starting to notice that, oh my God, I might be here on my own. I might really have to, to fight this on my own. I was so sad in many ways. But every time I've been in a situation that's been really hard, when you always think that it's just going to be too hard, that something's just not going to work out, I've been blessed to say that in some of my darkest moments, there have been people who sometimes seemingly out of the blue just show up and offer to help in ways that are what you need. There was one person who I know socially, you know, we don't talk all the time and we're not, you know, close, close, close friends, but we know each other through journalism circles. And he and his wife connected me with people in Queens who I had never met before. These were complete strangers who had been doing grocery runs for neighbors. And I'll never forget the first time this woman went out shopping for me and I ran downstairs to pick up the groceries. We both have masks on. We gave each other a look like, are you this person? Yes, I am. She put the bag down. I walked towards the bag so we didn't touch. And I come upstairs and I start going through the bag and I notice that there is a bouquet of some pink Gerber daisies and some bonbons. And I said, oh, this was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. She had done that to give to me because I'm a new mom. And I just felt so grateful, not only to have beautiful flowers to look at, but those bonbons were delicious. <laughs> and also to think that someone had thought about me, a complete stranger had put me first. And it was just one of the most beautiful displays of selflessness that I have experienced. And it was such a small detail but it was so kind. And other things like that started to happen more and more. And those were the things that really got me through the peak of the virus because it reaffirmed that we didn't lose all of our humanity, that there were people who said, wait, this is serious. And that offered to help. I'm not good at asking for help. I'm actually really bad at asking for help. I wasn't raised in an environment where asking for help was okay. And I think that that is for better and for worse. I think there's a point at which self-sufficiency just becomes unhealthy and it forces people to overdo it sometimes because you're not used to asking for help. That's often seen as a weakness. And so that's a skewed notion of community because we need each other and we need each other to do many things. And I think often when you're a public figure like I am and you work in media, people often want a piece of you because they want to promote their book or they want to get on the show or they want to connect with somebody and they think you're a vehicle for doing that. That can also be a reason why I'm a little wary of asking for anything. But at the end of the day, I am stunned at how kind people have been that I just never expected people who checked in with me, people who continue to ask the basic question, how are you? Please check in on your people. Check in on each other. Don't make assumptions that everybody's doing fine because a lot of us aren't doing fine and we need help. 
no matter how successful that person seems on the outside, no matter how high you hold them, you never know what's happening behind the scenes. This moment, which feels on the one hand, you know, people are sharing all types of personal anecdotes on social media, left and right, and people are yelling about this and that and the third, but do we have empathy for each other? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.